Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the lab. As always, sitting with you is Alex Trotter, Brandon Weirig, Lou Follenkamp, and today we have Abby Quinn with us from Yale. So Abby joined the Yale staff in the summer of 2021 when she was appointed the Director of Sports Performance Quality Control. Throughout her time at Yale, she has now worked her way up to Director of Weight Room Operations, as well as the Internship Director for the Sports Performance Program. In addition to this role, she also serves as the head strength and conditioning coach for the men's and women's basketball, volleyball, women's soccer, and women's tennis programs. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So today, I mean, we've talked about this before in the past. Um, we've wanted someone to come on and kind of talk with us about force plates and kind of how they utilize it, you know, e either at the professional, the high school, or even the college programs. Um, and then all of a sudden we messaged you and we found out, oh yeah, you do use the force plate. This is perfect. Um, so the big thing today, what we're going to kind of talk about is, is the integration of, you know, the technology that you utilize and how you use it to influence or kind of direct your programming with your athletes. Um, but before we get into that, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, what, what brought you to where you are? Why did you want to become a strength coach? Oh, okay. Um, I have a weird, weird path to strength and conditioning. Um, so kind of going through high school, I thought I wanted to be, you know, a trauma surgeon, orthopedic surgeon. I was like, ah, I don't want to go to med school. So I was like, oh, what about anesthesiology? It's like a nurse anesthetist. Okay, I'll go to nursing school. Um, I played water polo in college. So there weren't many, many schools that had nursing and water polo. So that limited my options a little bit. Came across a school actually about 30, 30 minutes from home. So it was called Gannon University. It's division two in the PSAC. Started out there um, three years in after my junior year finals week, my mom took me to breakfast and she was like, you are absolutely miserable. You should probably change your major. <laughs> I was like, okay, you're, you're probably not wrong. My mom's usually right. So right uh, immediately went to the exercise science department, switched my major. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go athletic training. Um, then I actually did my research and figured out what athletic training is. I was completely wrong. I was like, okay, I, I want to be the one that helps with injury prevention in the weight room, um, not not the one that deals with the injuries right away. Um, it's not really what I wanted to do. I love our athletic trainers here, but I wanted to be in the weight room. So um, as soon as I switched my major, about three days later, I got a call from my old high school that said, hey, do you want to do you want to coach the water polo team? So I was like, this is a sign. Okay, like, let's let's go for it. Um, I could do all the coaching in the weight room training. So fell in love with coaching instantly, um, specialized my internships in strength and conditioning. I was a GA for the Gannon women's basketball team for my master's program. I was very fortunate. There was an NBA G League team, the Erie Bayhawks in the area at the time, affiliated with the Pelicans. So took on that as well. Um, kind of as I wrapped up my master's degree, COVID hit. I was like, great, sports are done. What do I do? Um, so applied to the internship program at Yale. They were still up and running, even though they weren't competing. So went to Yale first semester to intern, um, then got taken on by Notre Dame for a semester in the spring after that for kind of like a part time seasonal assistant role. So got to assist with all their Olympic teams, took over men's and women's swimming, um, which is a really great opportunity, stayed in touch with everybody from Yale. And then um, they were looking for somebody with basketball experience. So it kind of worked out. So made my way back to New Haven after there um, and then started here full time. And I'm just wrapping up my second year here. So uh, started with nursing. Now I'm full blown strength and conditioning. Now you're here. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. So with the athletes that you like, do you spend like more time with one team in particular? Or are you kind of like you have based on what they need you do? 
Um, kind of based on what they need, I do. Um, I will say we're here at Yale. We don't have an Olympics and a football staff, so everybody assists with football. So if we don't have teams that are in the weight room up and running, we're expected to help with football. So that's a great opportunity to work with those athletes as well. Um, I will say every team has different needs, different demands. You know, men's basketball is in the weight room at least four days a week. Um, I do have women's tennis. They're more about two days a week. And then I do on-court sessions with them as well. So kind of meet the needs for the team and where they're at. And then also depending on which point in the season we're in as well, determines how many times I'm with them. Okay. How often are you utilizing the force plates like we talked about? So I would say pretty much every day, every, every day they come in, they jump on the plates. So based on where we're at in the year is kind of what we do. So in season, my team, such as um, volleyball, men's and women's basketball, for example, in season, we run a flexible nonlinear style programming. So it basically undulates based on where they're at for that day. So they come in, do their warm up, do their activation stations. Then I have them jump on the plates. I do a hands on hips counter movement jump. Um, and then I look at their peak propulsive power that is then dumped into a dashboard. I compare it against their best to kind of see where they're at. So that tells me what percentage they're at for that day based on the best that they've been in the past. So based on that percentage number, that determines what lift they do for the day. So I have about 20 different lifts written up for that day. Um, one of them's like a recovery could be heavy strength, light strength, heavy power, light power, um, could just be mobility, could be more plyometric based. So that percentage number then tells me, okay, where are they at? I get an RPE for the day. Like, do, do they feel like shit or are they like ready to roll? And then based on those two numbers, I'm like, okay, this is the lift you're doing for the day. And then they kind of have at it. So everything's already mapped out for them. Um, so that way, if I have a kid that's coming off the field, you know, if I have a soccer player that just played the entire game, we have lift the next day and they are absolutely trashed. You probably need a recovery lift. But then also if they're coming in, they're jumping 99 percent. OK, let's take advantage. You're feeling good. So let's get you the dose that you need to actually maintain strength, maintain power and get the most out of this session. That's pretty wicked. That's actually <laughs> I like hearing that a lot. Uh, yes, that's what we do in season to kind of, you know, meet the needs of where they're at. Out of season um, is definitely a little bit different um, based on the style of program we're doing. Are we doing muscle building? Are we doing strength? Are we doing more power based lifts? Um, but they pretty much jump every single day. So I know exactly where they're at. Okay. Now, do you also do like any kind of upper body like metric as well? Or are you just primarily like basing everything off of the lower body performance? I currently only do lower body. I know our baseball team, um, the pitchers especially, mess around a little bit with doing more of like a push-up position on the plates. I have not gone into that too much. Um, one thing that I've really been diving into this year is, you know, I have all the court sports here, men's and women's basketball and volleyball. So repeated power, jumping and landing, all of that. So one thing I implemented with them this year was almost like a flexible nonlinear for plyometrics. So the same concept that I just talked about with their lifts, I've done with plyometrics. So they'll come in and they'll jump. I look at their peak propulsive power for um, for their lift for that day. Then I also pull the metrics for their landing and braking mechanics, compare that against the best ones. Okay, how are we landing? How are we braking today? And then I give them plyometrics 
assigned to them based on what they need. So are you um, sinking into your hips a little bit more? Do we need to learn how to throw on the brakes? Do we need to actually practice quiet landing? Cause you're just pounding and dropping into everything. So I'll give them plyometrics based on where they're at. I'll jump them before the lift to give them the plyometrics and then jump them after to see if we actually had any improvements. And we can kind of dive into a little bit more with like um, with the jumping and the landing and stuff. Cause they do it so much for practice and games. Okay. So then in terms of like, let's say physically they're great, but then also you guys go into a workout and maybe their head's just not in it that day. How have you gone about like modifying, like, you know, it looks like on, on the machine and on the plate, you're performing well. What have you done? Like, let's say maybe they're having like family troubles or boyfriend, girlfriend troubles. Have you kind of gone about like, you know, you're performing well, like at the start, but what's going on now? Usually that's more of a conversation kind of, you know, what's going on? What do you, what do you think you can actually do today? Sometimes, you know, it's pulling back. We're just going to go bands, recovery, that kind of thing. And then other times um, I'm pretty much auto-regulating everything in my lifts on that given day. So I'm very number science um, percentage based. So each percentage, you know, has a meaning to me. So like the way the scale that we function off of, some people might disagree or have um, different research behind it, but 80% is 10 reps max effort. You know, I have a whole scale up into 100%. So what their 80% is might not be 80% that day. So it's like, okay, how many more reps do you feel like you could do? I'm going to readjust their max, reset their numbers, and that's what we can do on this given day. So even though your max is you know, 200 pounds typically, and we're working off of a 200 pound max, we might be working off of like 175 pound max today, readjust the percentages, because that's physically where you're at and what you can do for me. If it's more just like they're, they're not feeling it, like mentally, we might just kind of pull them, you know, and just do more like recovery stuff to keep them around the team kind of, you know, just get a feel for where they're at. Okay. You guys have any questions you guys wanted to dive into? Oh, uh, yeah. Um, how many different, well, first of all, congratulations on another championship. Thank you. Um, how many different like waves do you do through that? So say if someone hits like their peak jump at 90%, maybe three or four times in a row for each week, how many times does that wave get maybe switched or do they kind of do the same thing repetitive week after week? So that's basically um, in my sheet that I have. I do track. So the I have each lift is a letter. So like A, I know is my recovery lift. B is going to be like heavy strength, C, so on and so forth. So I know what each lift is. So my sheet will actually track which letter they've done previously. So there are some lifts if it's going to be um, heavy strength. I actually have two heavy strength lifts, but they're different angles. So I know that I can rotate it out a little bit. So if they are always at that 99%, I at least am hitting different angles and getting a different stimulus out of that. So they're not constantly doing the same lift. So that's why I'll have like 20 to 25 different options at a time. But I always know the letter doesn't change. So if they do C, C is always going to be C. So I'll have a pie chart on the back end. So I know how many times we're actually doing each one. So like, are we always kind of heavy strength? Can I focus more on heavy power, things like that, and kind of switch it up. So I'm tracking what I do as I go. That way we don't get, you know, every single week on Monday, we're doing the exact same thing. So then before you got into all of the, when did you first get into like using the force plates like this? I honestly didn't really get into it until I came back to Yale. Um, we have Hawkins Dynamics force plates. So the director, <laughs> the director that was here when I interned, Tom Newman, um, he 
was collaborating with them, had the force plates here at Yale. So we were getting them when I returned here. He actually went on to go work for Hawkins, where he is now. So he has helped us with a lot of the back end information. Um, so I really started using them. I started here in May. So I dove into them a lot in the summer. Um, just learning what the metrics mean, kind of how to coach the kids through the jump, what the different kinds of jumps are, because we'll do the hands on hips, but we'll also do, you know, an arm swing with a counter movement jump to see what they're producing with that. Um, but that's kind of really where I started with it. Um, just doing as much research as possible, collecting information. So the first summer was just a lot of collecting information because I was new to all of these kids. So I'm like, I don't even know what's good for you right now. And then I also was new to men's basketball here. So I'm pairing them up with like football players that are around their size. Okay, what what is a football player producing? Where are you at kind of thing? So just looking at what's around me and piecing it all together. But now that I'm in my second year, I've had a whole year's worth of data collection. So I'm kind of making bigger strides and doing a lot more with it. That's awesome. So then before the force plates, how would you go about kind of monitoring and like adjusting training programs as you needed to? So that's where the auto regulation came into play um, with the numbers, like constantly adjusting maxes and stuff of where we're at. Um, before the first force plates, I would actually just have them physically do a vertical jump on a vertex. And then I would compare that against their best vertical jump because that's still, you know, a direct measure of their power output. And the force plates kind of give you more of that neurological feedback. You know what I mean? Where that twitch is, how they're jumping. Whereas the vertex, actually a vertical jump physically, how high can you get your body weight up and jump? What's that highest point you can touch against, you know, the best one that you've ever done. So I would just do a normal vertical vertical jump before I had the force plates. Okay. What kind of process do you take when you have that athlete who's like, like you have like that 100%, like what their max is at and you have them like before their, their lifts and they're going through their jumps. What if you have that person who's like consistently staying like low performance on that jump? How do you kind of address um, what do you look for? The big things I look for, to be honest with you here at Yale, um, Ivy League school, high academics. Um, it's usually coming from school. Um, all my kids are way smarter than I will ever be. So I usually kind of have to like bring them down a little bit. I'm like, okay, the first question is how much did you sleep? Because a lot of these kids will tell you one hour, one, two hours, and they're, they're being honest. Um, and then it's like, for some reason at Yale, we have three, four weeks worth of midterms. I don't know why. I don't know how it happens, but they'll always be in midterms. Like that mid semester, there's a huge decline. So it's like, okay, how much did you sleep? How much did you actually eat? When was the last time you ate? What have you done today? Did you have nothing? So you slept all day and this is the first time you're out of bed. So usually it's like, what have they done leading up to that lift? That's kind of the big trigger for them to figure out where they're at. Um, usually it's not not so much like performance based, like they're not usually like tanking physically. It's usually those outside stressors from school that are getting them is what I found. Okay. I can't imagine one hour of sleep. I'd, I'd be the angriest human alive. Oh yeah. Yeah. And there's some of them. I'm just like, okay, you slept one hour. You've had a protein bar that was in the locker room and maybe like 10 cups of coffee. We're probably not going to put 300 pounds on your back today. So let's find something else to do. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they're great kids, but we definitely have to, you know, manage that. Sometimes it's a matter of moving them to a different lift time, you know, going later in the day, switching things around. Um, I do that a lot with basketball, especially in season with um, 
the class load and then non-conference they're traveling a lot they might be in three different states in a week so a lot of times it's kind of pairing up their lifts around their games and what their schedule looks like so they might not always lift on the same exact days each week um and kind of see i have some that'll come up you know pre-game for a lift post-game for a lift the day after a lift so we kind of cater it to where i can get them the best okay now have you ever ran into the issue um of athletes almost like sandbagging on the force plates in order to like get out of a workout (laughs) so like how how are you tracking that or how are you monitoring that um depends on the kid for sure I do have some kids that will be trash on the force plates and they're like no like I'm a zero rpe I'm ready to go I could run through a brick wall and we're like okay, let's cool it here for a minute. Like, where are you actually at? And then I have kids too, um, that are definitely, you know, half-assing the jumps because they equate like, oh, if I have a good jump, I have to do a harder lift. I want an easier lift today. So we definitely run into that. Um, That's where I usually give them, you know, two or three jumps on the plate and try to give them a few cues to coach them up a little bit to see if I can get a better number out of it. And then, most of the time with these kids, we have a good relationship with them. It's kind of like making a joke out of it and just be like, I've been retired for five years and I can jump better right now. So what's going on? Like, don't let me beat you right now. Or I'm like, oh, one of the interns can jump better than you. Like, what are we doing here? Kind of thing. Um, so usually that kind of gets them going. <laughs> um, that, that'll get them going. Or like almost if we have two sets of force plates side by side, you know, if it's somebody that I can say like, okay, well, they just jumped better than you, like what's going on. And then usually it's bringing them down, having that conversation of, Hey, if, if you truly are, you know, at a higher percentage than this today, like let's give you a good lift so we can get the most out of it. So that way we're getting it done now and we don't have to do a heavier load later in the week. And that's usually kind of enticing for them. Yeah. Okay. So how long have you been using, like, have they always had Hawken Dynamics uh, up at Yale? Yeah. yeah, so um, I don't believe they had force plates um, before, like, my internship when I got here. I think the Hawkins ones were the first that we've had. Um, I know they were kind of, like, special ordered for Yale, so because Tom Newman was here before. And, like, we have massive plates that are huge that we carry all over the place. Um, We do have like some smaller ones that we do take out to the practice fields now. So a lot of times we will jump kids, you know, before practice. That way we can kind of tell coaches, hey, this is where we're at. You know, like we'll put turf on the on the force plate so they can actually jump on the force plates in their cleats. So we made a whole separate jump for that to kind of get feedback. Um, So we'll take them out to the practice fields. Hey, coach, this is where they're at. You know, pair it up with their catapult data as well. How hard is practice supposed to be today? What kind of load are you trying to get? Maybe cap their yards. Um, So, you know, we don't overdo it on a given day. But um, yeah, so we've had them for like the past two, two and a half years and have really integrated it into pretty much like our everyday training here. Okay. So then since you guys have integrated that into your guys' system, what have you guys seen overall in terms of performance, not just in the weight room, but also on like the quarter on the field? I think we've seen a huge return in it. Like I said, just kind of matching up the lifts, what we give them. Um, We've noticed a lot more progress. We're actually, we have um, 
a DEXA scanner here as well. So we'll do DEXA scans up to four times a year. And we have actually had athletes gain muscle in season and like reset maxes each week. So that's really where we're seeing the payoff. You know, like a lot of people are like, oh, it's in season, you know, like you're, you're going to lose strength. You're going to lose muscle because you're beat up by the end of the season. Whereas like we've actually had kids, you know, gain three to five pounds of muscle in season. So that's not out of the question because the tricky part too, especially for me with basketball, you know, we go five to six months in season and in March is when I need them to perform their best, even though we started playing in November. So like, I want them to physically be their best in March. So how can we kind of keep pushing the needle to get them there? So when we get to an Ivy league tournament or like the NIT or NCAA afterwards, it's like, that's where I want them peaking and to be their absolute best, not, you know, down in muscle and their vertical jump going down from the beginning of the year. Cause like non-conference play is great, but for us right now, it's like, we're training for that Ivy league tournament. We need to win that tournament to move on to the next step. So like, that's when I need them to be their best. I like that. Uh, so then in terms of your, um, I guess with what you guys continue to do and kind of monitoring athletes, if you had someone who's coming back from an injury, um, have you guys taken, like, are you using that baseline and kind of working them back into that? Um, and if so, are you guys like maybe, maybe advancing or regressing certain like protocols based on those numbers? Yeah. So it's great because, you know, if we jump them every day, I'll have, you know, unfortunately kids that do get an injury, I can pull back from freshman, sophomore, junior year numbers and kind of see where they're at. The force plates are great because they do give you the right left difference. So you can see what the differences are between the right and the left leg, like the injured and non-injured and see where they're at. Um, you can see how they're landing and breaking, which I think is huge as well. Our athletic training department is also great. We use the biodex a lot. I use that a lot for my programming. So we'll have kids do the biodex. That gives me a lot more feedback between the percent difference between the legs as well. And then also, do we need to work on the slow twitch or the fast twitch, like the strength or more of that fast twitch? And then also, are they more quad or hamstring dominant? So which one do they need more of? So I kind of pair that together as well. But the force plates, I think, are great just with that right left difference and then you know how far apart are the two legs or are you still favoring one over the other and then a lot of times I'll just do um, kind of like a running squat on the force plates so it'll just like let you let it run for multiple seconds and I'll have them just hold a med ball and squat up and down on the plate so I can see if they're like leaning and we kind of like fix that while they're actually going and I'll put the screen in front of them so they can see it so they can kind of see which one they're favoring and try to correct it while they're going. So I'll definitely do that, you know, before lifts um, or like after their activation or warm up to kind of help with that return to play as well. That's awesome. I know one of the things I've actually, do you know, uh, Drake Berberay? I don't think I'm familiar. No. Okay. He's, he's actually with Hawk and dynamics um, as okay. well. And uh, I've actually had a few conversations with him in regards to like using the force plates either for like rehabilitation purposes, but also like kind of like what you're doing right now, which is awesome uh, mm -hmm. in regards to like progressing the athletes. Um, I would very much like to get some force plates in here. I think it would just be, it would be perfect. They're but, I fantastic. Mean, it's a great tool to have. So do you think if that was some tool, like if, if you had that force plates in that tool when you were in sports, um, what do you think would have changed in terms of like performance for yourself? I think it would just help to have pushed myself. We had um, 
when I played in college, we just had a GA that kind of like volunteered and, and helped out in the weight room, but there was no method of tracking. I couldn't see if I was actually getting better. You know, I didn't have really any feedback if I was, you know, down for the day, kind of just would do lifts that I felt I should do. Everything was kind of arbitrary. So kids I've noticed even though we don't use the force plates necessarily for jump height, but they're always like looking at what their jump height is. Like they get excited when it gets better. If I'm like, you should be at 6,000 Watts on the force plate and they're 5,900. They're like, Oh, let me go again. Let me go again. I can beat it. And they kind of like want to push themselves. So I do think it is like putting numbers to it that kids can see and get that instant feedback and they want to keep getting better. Whereas if we didn't have really any numbers, they're like, I, I don't even know where I'm at. I, I feel okay for the day, but they, it tends to um, most athletes, you know, want to compete. So those numbers help them compete. They want to like keep going and like go against each other or just keep beating theirs for the day. That's cool. So in terms of like, when you guys have an athlete who is like, let's say they're not progressing as well as you would hope. And let's say they're, they're kind of taking things. Maybe they do have, like you were saying, the midterms and things aren't necessarily going up in like in that linear pattern. They're not making any progressions. Um, how often did you guys had to like, make sure, like maybe bring in like the dietitian or um, I don't know if you guys do sleep studies with your athletes or not, but like how often have you guys had to like go in and like, we need to do something else besides the training. We need to get some other things on board. I would say nutrition's probably a big one here. Um, that we need to have like conversations about actual sport nutrition. Cause a lot of times, you know, they're seeing what their, their friends eat. And I'm like, you're, you're a division one athlete. I have a men's basketball player. That's 260 pounds and seven feet tall. I'm like, you're, you're going to eat a lot different than the average person. Um, so usually it's more like the education piece on like what you actually need to sustain this. Um, so usually kind of informing them on that, setting them up with the nutritionist here is super helpful. Um, I would say too, um, a lot of them just kind of the the sports psych end of things. There are a lot of resources here um, to help them with that. So kind of helping them navigate the school. A lot of it ends up being time management. Um, these kids will be a division one athlete. Um, they'll be in the hardest engineering classes, but they'll also have an internship, a side job, and then also they're volunteering and helping out. So it's kind of a lot of time management and sometimes too if we do notice that plateau and like those things are all managed pretty well sometimes it is just a change of program like we need to sit down reevaluate the program because their body just might not be responding to what we're writing and like you might need something completely different so that's where we use the tools that we have like the dexa the force plates things like that they just might not be responding and we just have to completely start over you ever feel like you get lost in your numbers at all or like maybe like overwhelmed by all the data that you get i got overwhelmed at first um because i was i think so excited and wanted to look at everything and everything was so interesting and then mm -hmm. um my boss here tj bellinger he was like you need to calm down um because i'm also not great with technology i love watching other people use it i can interpret the information but like if you tell me to make something on Excel. I absolutely hate it. So I have like a love hate relationship <laughs> with that. Um, but basically what I have done to kind of control that is I pick anywhere from three to five metrics that I want to focus on. And that way it's consistent. It's consistent for the coaches, the kids, and we can see if that's getting better. That's why for my plyometrics, I look at that peak propulsive power, my landing and my braking. So I can kind of track those and not get too overwhelmed because those Hawkins force plates, they spit out 
200 plus different data points. If you try to look at everything, you're going to miss something. You're going to get too overwhelmed. One thing will get better. One thing will get worse. You won't know where it's coming from, what's causing it. And like just things will get missed. So I've tried to keep it to anywhere from three to five metrics or data points that I'm looking at and kind of let it roll. That's awesome. That's pretty cool. Yeah. You guys have any other questions? Oh, yeah. Do you do a true one rep max or do you just estimate it? Um, for our normal, like day-to-day training, estimated one rep max, I use reps left in the tank from our auto regulation scale. That works pretty well. Um, it will take first years a little bit to get used to it, but as you know, I do a one-on-one session with them first. I'm like, you know, 90% should feel like a max effort of four. So like if they do two reps, they say they can do two more. That's probably about our 90%. And it is pretty accurate, the scale that we use, um, usually at the end of the year, um, or, kind of the end of the semester, we will do a one rep max um, for the teams that want to because they enjoy it. Um, we'll typically do that, but not all of our teams just max out. It's usually hard to get them at a good time of year when we can do that. So typically estimated um, and we kind of go from there. And do you ever use the force plates for like speed stuff, like force production or maybe like a first or second step burst or maybe like a true deceleration into a cut? Um, I haven't with the force plates yet. Um, I'll use like more reactionary stuff i'll have them do like drills where they have to react to me that's usually it and then we do have a platform um we do asi testing here um through the dasher system so that is your 10 yard pro agility and vertical jump we put that information into a database and it spits out a score that score is an athleticism score that we get so it's all relative which allows me to compare athletes like i can compare a volleyball player to a basketball player just in terms of athleticism so we kind of take that score and use that so from that i do get a 10 yard time which does help me with that instantaneous speed that first step the pro agility helps me with the cutting lateral change of direction things like that and then the vertical jump is going to be that power output so that is another thing we do for testing to kind of help with the athleticism as well any other questions um uh, compared to like the other schools that you've been to with Yale, is it almost easier? Um, kind of, I'm trying to figure out how to word it. Um, is it easier to explain to the Yale students of like the method, like behind <laughs> why you're doing things? Because they they're just like they probably want to know anyway. Um, I would say it's fifty fifty. Um, there's some kids that you know, school is stressful. They have so much on their plate. They love to come into the weight room and just turn their brains off and lift. And that's where we have team builder to give them their programming. They look at it. They do what's in there. They love it. I would say the other 50%, they want to know everything. They want to know why, what does this mean? How do I make it better? Even for the force plate jumps, they're like, what, what tricks do you have? How can I, how can I cheat the jump to make my numbers go up? And there's some that'll want all these explanations. Um, but typically, um, you know, if they notice like a plateau or something's not really working or they don't understand why their numbers are, they think their max should be higher or something like that. They're very good at asking the questions and then understanding what we give them and then kind of rolling with it. But I will say with the the auto regulation that we use, if I program something at 75% and it's for like five reps, they're like, well, I can do more weight than that. I, I understand it's at 75%. 
I know, but I can do more weight. And I'm just like, yes, but there's a certain percentage for this day. So they do like to push themselves a lot. Yeah. Um, so it is kind of explaining to them like, hey, we're doing 75% today for a reason. Or if it's a heavy day, we're doing 90% today for a reason. And then usually once they get the explanation, they're like, oh, okay, this makes sense. Okay. Any other question, guys? All right. So that's all we had planned for today. Uh, thanks again, Abby, for joining us uh, for today's episode. Um, we will see you guys next time. Thank you for having me.